Amen. If you're here tonight, you don't own a Bible. If you hold your hand up, the ushers will bring one to you. It's our gift to you. I want to make sure everybody's got a copy of the Word of God. I want to encourage you, get in that book. Read your Word every day. You know, we don't have an excuse to not have the Word in our life. How come you all looking so guilty right, right now? You don't have an excuse. You, you know, uh, with, with your computer, uh, with uh, everything that's available to you. you, you can get the Bible downloaded to you every day. You can have them read it to you. Go to audiobible.com. They'll read it to you. Okay? I, a lot of mornings before I get out of bed, I just reach over and push the iPod and let them start talking. And I just get the Bible read to me before I'm even out of bed. You don't have an excuse. And if you're wandering through life without the Word of God, you're living like the lost. Thank you for that crazy response right there. So look, look at your neighbor and say, I'm not living like the lost. Amen. You stand with me one more time. Get your Bible in your hand. Let's hold it up and make a confession together. Lift your Bible up in the air. Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. Say, I have what it says I have. Say, I will do what it says I can do. Say, I have an open mind. I have a teachable spirit. From this moment forward, say, I'll never be the same. Say, never, never, never. In Jesus' name. Come on, give God a hand. Thank Him that He's changing you. Amen? Amen. You can be seated. I'm excited that you're here tonight. I'm believing God for big things in our lives. Amen? And not, only, not only as a corporate body, that's obvious that God's got a plan and He's going to do some crazy things with us corporately. But in order, you know, in order to have a church that's really uh, transformational, you've got to have families that are being transformed. Right? And in order to have families that are being transformed, you've got to have individuals in those families who are allowing the Word of God to transform them. You know, in order to bless the city, obviously, we've got to be blessed. But in order for the church to be blessed, the families have got to be blessed. In order for the families to be blessed, somebody in the family has got to rise up and refuse to live any other way than blessed. Amen? That's me right there. I refuse to live any other way than blessed. Man, it's Saturday night, and you guys, you're not in a bar, but maybe you should be. You, you need a drink. You need to belly up to the bar tonight and get something from Jesus that'll change you. Amen. You gotta realize, you gotta realize that God's plan for you is not a normal, everyday existence. God's plan for you is not to be just like everybody else is, only I'm forgiven. No, I think, see, we, we, we settle for that. We settle. We settle for so much less than God's real intention. I, I, just want, I just want to make it to heaven. Well, come here. I'll get you there right now. <laughs> you go to meet Jesus tonight. I don't, I just, I just, I'm just forgiven. I'm just a worm. I'm, I'm just, uh, you know, oh, you, you're missing the, the entire deal. Man, you're missing the entire thing. He quoted it earlier tonight, John 10.10. 10. Jesus said, I've come that you might have and enjoy life in abundance to the top till it overflows. Jesus came to connect us to God life, to Zoe life, to life that's bigger than life without God. It's God life in you. It's God life in you. It's not I that live, Paul said. Remember? It's not I that live. That life ended. But it's Christ who liveth in me. It is something different than I was before I made the connect. It is, it is a life bigger than my own. It swallowed my life. Hopefully chewed it up and spit it out. It is a huge, God-breathed existence that God is drawing you into, pulling you into, pulling you into a place where you, you, you're going to go. You're going to go around half the time with your mind just blown away. Amen. Have you heard Jeremiah twenty nine eleven? 
I know the plan. God said, I know the plan I've got for you. God's got a plan for you. His plan is not to leave you the way he found you, only you get a t-shirt. Right? His plan is, is not just so you can barely make it by the skin of your teeth into, into glory someday. His plan is to prosper you, to increase you, to position you, to win and succeed in any given situation so that you, like Paul said in Philippians 4, I'm ready for an equal to anything that comes my way through Christ who is now infusing me with an inner strength. You've you got to get this, guys. We have allowed ourselves to think that salvation is just getting into heaven. No, it is the empowerment to demonstrate Satan's defeat on a daily basis. Every step of the journey, I live a life that is humiliation to hell. That the stuff that used to cause me trouble, now it no longer even slows me down. Why? Because I'm walking God's steps. I got the same power that raised Christ from the dead who has quickened my mortal body. I'm not the same anymore. Oh, every once in a while, I can feel myself kind of slip over into Tom land. There's a, there's a King James word for that. Sucketh. You know, start living life my way. Start living life with my thoughts. Start living life my plan. And it is not the same as God's life, God's plan, God's purpose. He said, my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. My ways are higher than your ways. It wasn't pointing out how little we were. It was an invitation to come up to a higher level of life. It was a, I said it was an invitation to come up to a higher level of life. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm going. Look with me, Mark chapter 8, verses 22 through 26. I want to go right back where we started last week. How many of you were here with Pastor Sharkey last week? How many of you were not here? Get the tape. Okay. Get the tape. Come on, guys. There's more to this thing than just making it into, into heaven. Mark eight twenty two. Then he, Jesus, came to Bethsaida, and they brought a blind man to him and begged him to touch him. We'll just read through these real quick. So he took the blind man by the hand, led him out of the town, and when he had spit on his eyes, he put his hands on him, and he asked him if he saw anything. And he took up and said, he looked up and said, I see men like trees walking. And Jesus put his hand on him, his eyes again and made him look up and he was restored and saw everyone clearly. Look at verse 26. Then he sent him away to his house saying, don't go back to town. Don't tell anybody in that town. Go back to verse 22 and let's break this down. He came to Bethsaida and they brought a blind man to him. Do you understand that the place to take blind people is to Jesus? Okay, people who are having issue with vision, you can't really see like you ought. Some are brought to Jesus. Jesus went to some. Uh, he called some. Others were brought to him. Be a bringer and bring people to a place where they can connect with Jesus. Amen? Amen? Right on. Come on, guys. Just, just be a bringer. Look at your neighbor and say, be a bringer. Bring people to a place. Man, you know a lot of people who need to have their sight adjusted. So bring them to Jesus. Right? Carry Jesus with you. I'm not just saying bring them to church. I'm telling you, bring them to Jesus. Bring them to Jesus. Jesus went and found some. Some of them came and sought him out. Others were brought. And I don't know if the guy that lives behind you knows the way to Jesus or not, but you do. So make sure that you're bringing people who are blind to Jesus. Why? Because he's going to touch them. The fact that we're here tonight, I have a promise for you. God is willing to touch you. Look at the very next verse. Verse 23. They're crying out that he would... Heal him, And Jesus took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town. Look at somebody say, get out of town. 
We talked about this a little bit last week, that what you've got to be willing to do is move from where you are and get to a new place so that you can have a new perspective. I think that many of us have lived where we're living so long that a new idea is something that we're not always open to. We have belief systems and thought processes that we've had for so long. It's become part of our problem, and we don't even realize it. We think that we're always right. You've heard me say it before, Jeremiah 33.3. God said, call me. I'll answer you. I'll show you great things, hidden things, secret things, fenced-in things, things you couldn't possibly know. God wants to tell you. Well, why aren't we calling Him? Because we think we know everything already. We think we're right already. What if God knows something you don't? There's a thought. What if God has an idea that you couldn't possibly have wrapped your heart around yet and He wants to show it to you? We're already, we already know this story that, that it was a progressive healing that Jesus performed here. Maybe the revelation that God is leading you into is a progressive revelation. Maybe you think you know everything, but you really don't. Let's make sure that we are pressing into this thing, that we are getting out of town. There is a reason Jesus took this man in this town and let him out of town. There's a reason. He didn't do anything just because. Now, sometimes, well, we might even do it tonight. Maybe we'll just take you and show you. Matter of fact, let's just do it. I think I gave you, did, did I give you... Um, Scriptures in Matthew. What I give you? Put put that up. Let's read that. Check this out, and then we'll go back. He began to rebuke the cities in which most of his mighty works had been done. Look at this, in which most of his mighty works had been done, and just hang right here for just a minute because they didn't repent. Now understand that you know sometimes we have the you know the picture of Jesus in our mind, and he's usually that long blonde-haired hippie dude holding the lamb. Uh, Wrong picture. You know, uh, we, we, have, we, have a, we have a mindset of what Jesus is. Jesus wasn't always nice. Okay? And he is rebuking cities. You, you know what that means? He, he, he is not blessing them. Okay? So if he ain't blessing them, he's cursing them. He's pronouncing a future over them that is not good. Why? Because he had done many mighty works there, and they didn't repent. Just, just, just for a thought. If you looked at all the great things that God has done for you, your level of repentance ought to probably come up some. Hello? You know, it ought to change the direction of your life. He's, re- he's rebuking cities. Look at verse 21. Jesus is rebuking cities. Woe to you, Chorazin. Probably said that wrong. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. He said, man, you don't get it. These people, they have a mindset. They see the great things that God's doing, but they just shrug their shoulders and get on with their original life. Jesus had to take this guy out of that environment. He took him by the hand and led him out of that environment and began to minister to him. And when he was done, he said, don't go back to where you came from. Well, we might have to preach here for a while. We, we might have to just hang out here for a little bit. Maybe what it is is that we're, we're getting touches from Christ, but we keep going right back to the same mediocre lifestyle that we had before. We're getting in the presence of God and we get a, you know, I mean, a, a, a miraculous move, but we walk out and we're impressed with goosebumps and, 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 you know, maybe, maybe we were slain in the spirit or something. But if it doesn't change where we live, if it wasn't transformational, who cares? Anything less than transformational is short of God's plan. I shouldn't be living the same lifestyle that, that I was living last week if I've been in the presence of Jesus this week. No, don't, 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 don't start shouting like that. You scare me. 
He said, this is the city. I perform mighty works there. And they, don't, they, they act like they don't care. See, I think that this is a, an insane picture. Very clear picture of much of the church in our society. That God's doing incredible things. Oh, let's be real for just a minute. At the garden, God is doing incredible things. It's amazing. It is amazing. There have been people that have come you know, seeking help and sat down with us and shared their problems. And we almost felt like what we ought to do is just close in prayer. You're right. You're in trouble. You're messed up. They just define their sin and we'd go home and take a shower. Come back a week later and the joy of the Lord has become their strength that breakthroughs occurred and marriages that should have ended in destruction are, are growing into health and financial situations that should have swallowed individuals up are broken by the power of the provision of God. It's amazing what's happening right here. And I'm not saying that this is the only place. Trust me. I know that God's moving all across Tri-Cities, all around the state, all across the country, and around the world. But yet the church today, in our society, most of the time, we live no different than we did. We're just happy to kind of come to church every now and then. You're wishing you'd gone to Dairy Queen now, huh? <laughs> Jesus took him by the hand. Let's go back to Mark. These guys are going, yes, let's do that. <laughs> Jesus took him by the hand and led him out of town. There was a reason. He had to get him out of that environment. It was that environment that was robbing him of the blessing. You remember David and the ark? Remember when the Philistines had the ark? And they were, you know, they were having a different experience than the people of God when they had the ark. You know, when we had the ark, we, we, couldn't, we couldn't lose a fight. We, we, were, we were blessed coming in, blessed going out. Every place we carried that thing, man, there, the blessing of God just showed up. Remember? Remember the, the Philistines, they had it. And their, their, their response to the presence of God was a little different. The Bible says that it gave them hemorrhoids. Read your book. Right? And they're, they're trying to figure out how to get rid of it. And we're trying to figure out how to get it back. And finally, you know, just because that's not my message tonight, but finally, you know, Dave goes and gets it. And you remember the one guy, what was his name, Uzzah, reached up and touched the ark and he fell over dead. And, and David got upset. He got scared and he got mad. And so they left, the, they left the ark at a guy's house by the name of Obed-Edom. Remember? They, go to, they, they, they swing by Obed-Edom's house and drop off the ark. Yeah, and, and he's just a farmer way, out in the, way outside of town. And, and he looks up one day and here comes all the, the king and all the king's horses and everybody's coming in ahead of the king. And good Lord, the king's coming to the farm. What's happening out here? And they just swing by Obed-Edom's house and they drop off a box and they tell him, listen, don't touch it. <laughs> well, that's the last thing you tell somebody. I mean, don't touch it. Everybody's wanting to go touch it now. Don't touch it. And so Obed-Edom gets the family together and they sit down and have a meeting. And they said, the last guy that touched that thing died. Guys, do not even go near it. Leave it alone. Pretend like it's not here. So they, 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 they you know, King, he packed up all his men. They, they took off. They went back to town. Obed-Edom, they went back to work. That night they come, to the, to come into the house and they're getting ready for dinner. And they gather around the dinner table. And about halfway through the, through the meal, Obed-Edom realizes kids aren't arguing. That's weird. Checking their foreheads. He gets an idea. He said, hey, would you help Mama clean the table? Sure, Dad. 
after he's resuscitated. He realizes the kids cleaned up the table and they did their homework and they were all in bed on time. And he's thinking, wow, that's crazy. Gets up the next morning, goes out to milk the cow. He normally gets three gallons. Today he got nine. Swings by to get the eggs. He usually gets a dozen. He had four dozen to carry in the house. Things began to change. He, he worked all day long out in the field. He came home. Mrs. Obedidum, she was standing there in her Victoria's Secret outfit. He said, where are the kids? They're at your mama's house. No, but, oh, but Edom said, the Lord is good. All kinds of crazy good things began to happen at Obed-Edom's house. And the news made it all the way back to David. And David said, you know what? The presence of God brings the blessing. So he packed up and went and got it. Matter of fact, you study your Bible, you find out that years later, Obed-Edom sold the farm and moved into town to become a gatekeeper at the temple. Because once he lived near the presence of God, he would no longer live away from it. Man, I'm telling you, the presence of God in your life is supposed to produce some insane blessing. But it can't hang where other things are allowed to remain. If you knew what God wanted to produce in your life, it is more than forgiveness. The the grace that God is offering to His people... It's not just a big cover-up. So it just covers your sin. So that no matter what you did in the past, you're, now you're okay with God. It's more than that. The Bible says that God's grace is His power. And He's going to give it to you more and more. And that power is going to enable you, it's going to cause you to be able to do what you were unable to do before His grace was upon you. It says in your book, and we'll be getting into this in the upcoming weeks. We're not going to make it tonight. It says in your book that God's grace is going to empower you to live just like Jesus lived. Jesus even said, the works that I do, you're going to do an even greater. It's my grace. Oh, baby. My grace on you. See, that's why, that's why Paul had the ability to say, it doesn't make any difference what happens. I'm equipped. It doesn't make any difference what comes against me. I've got what it takes. When you understand the goodness of God's grace, you will get out of town. You'll pack up and move like Obed-Edom did. You'll realize that, man, this, this thing is, this, this thing... That God's wanting to do in my life. I can't, I can't afford to remain normal when what God has tried to do is connect me with a power that will cause me to be more than normal. God doesn't want me ordinary. Remember Ecclesiastes? We read it a few weeks ago. God makes things beautiful. Extraordinary of their kind. Marvelous in thought and speech. What God wants to do in your life is beautiful. Extraordinary. Extraordinary. Not normal. I'm not talking about so strange that nobody wants to be near you. I'm talking about having the the, the presence of God that produces such blessing that everybody's swinging by to find out what you got. But see, flesh can't touch that presence. Just like Jesus said about those cities, they they saw the power that I operate in, but they wouldn't change the way they lived. So I couldn't bless them. He ended up having to curse them. You're being introduced to a power. That you have to welcome and embrace. But there is a price. It's going to change the way you live. 
The other day, Scott and I were talking, and he had run across a scripture, you know, remember where uh, Jacob's name was changed to Israel. And he had wrestled with the angel of the Lord, and, and, and he touched him in his, in his hip, and, and his hip was disjointed. And he said, I'm, I won't let go until you bless me. And God blessed him. But it changed the way he walked for the rest of his life. His walk was different. I'm here tonight to tell you that our walk ought to be different. You know, when we start talking about holiness and righteousness, it's not, you know, I remember growing up, holiness was all about hairdos and lipstick. Hello? You know, holy. Wrong wrong description. Holy. What's it mean? Other than... Other than, not the same. That the holiness that God wants to produce and see manifest in our life, what He wants is a life that is other than a life that is separated from God. Our lives ought to be other than. Different. The same stuff hits the same fan. But the result is different in our world. Why? Because I can be struck down, but I can't be struck out. I can be pressed, but not crushed. Oh, hello, somebody. This is God's plan. I said, this is God's plan. Look at your neighbor and say, this is God's plan. Look at Ephesians 3, verses 9 and 10. We're going to read them from the message. My task is to bring out into the open and make plain what God, who created all this in the first place, has been doing in secret and behind the scenes all along. Look at verse 10. Through Christians like yourselves gathered in churches, this extraordinary plan of God is becoming known and talked about even among the angels. Look at that word. Through Christians just like yourself. Through Christians just like yourself. See, the enemy is trying to tell you that you ain't got what it takes to really live just like Jesus did. To have the victory that Jesus walked in. To have, to have the mind of Christ. That you're, you, you're just not right. But through Christians just like you, this extraordinary, this extraordinary plan of God. God's plan for your life is extraordinary. This plan is becoming known and talked about even among the angels. There's something that God's going to do in you that's causing a rumor to go all the way through heaven. I know one man who, who makes this statement, let's give the angels something to talk about. Let's do. Let's realize that that maybe we've settled for something that's a little less than God's plan. I just want to ask you a couple of questions. Is the life that you're living extraordinary? Do you have to backslide to go to sleep at night? You know, I mean, think about think about who you're wrapping your heart and your mind around God's plan for your life. I ought to be so excited that we're hard to be around. You ever, you ever been around a small child three days before his first trip to Disney World? Remember one year for Christmas, Shelby and I, we gave the boys calendars. They were real excited. They opened up their gifts. They had calendars. <laughs> TJ was ticked. They had X's on them. They weren't even, you know, full calendars the way I remember it. You know, and th- those calendars had X's on them up to the day that we were leaving for Disney World. And once they figured out what was happening, the environment had a shift. Woo-hoo-hoo. Remember, Kelly, when you told Todd that you were going to take him to Disney World? Yeah. 
There was a shift in the environment. We get excited about Disney World. And we don't realize that what God has planned for us makes Disney World look like a trip to Union Gap. The life God has in store for you. I said the life God has in store for you. Look at 2 Peter 1.3. We have everything we need to live a life that pleases God. You do realize that living God's plan pleases God. Not living God's plan is not pleasing to God. You're loved by God unconditionally. But your life doesn't necessarily please God. Even though you're loved by God. Come on, every parent in the room understands this. That I love my children. But I'm not always pleased with their behavior. But when I'm pleased with them, life is much better. Because it's in alignment with the picture, the plan that as a parent I have for our house. We have what it takes to live this plan. We have everything we need to live a life that's pleasing to God. And it was given to us by God's own power. He has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Everything we need. When, when we learned that He had invited us to share in His wonderful goodness. We've got what it takes to live a life that will cause Heaven to stand around talking about us. Oh, think for just a minute about what the angels are going to say when we get out of town. Start living the good life that Jesus came to reconnect mankind to. That we go back to the place where a dominion and authority was given to man and we begin to operate in that level of authority on earth. When we're bringing what's occurring in heaven to earth in our area of authority and dominion. Isn't that what Jesus prayed? Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth, even as it is in heaven. I want what's taking place in heaven to take place on earth in my life and in my environment. And I'm here to make sure that's what happens. So, the blind see, the lame walk, the deaf hear. Why? Because there ain't nobody blind in heaven. So, we're going to create the environment on earth that's equal to that which is in heaven. So, blindness and sickness and disease, it's going to have to go. Poverty is going to have to pack up and head out because we're bringing heaven into the earth. We've been empowered by God. We've got everything it takes because this is going to please God. Hmm. We have everything we need. So you have an enemy that does not want you to understand this. You have an enemy that wants you to focus on things that you think you need. Things that you think are missing. He, he wants you to focus on, on issues and sideshow distractions so that you don't connect with the truth. But the truth is, I have everything I need 
I'm equal to anything that comes my way. Ready for. Through Christ, who's infusing me with an inner strength, whose grace is growing more and more inside of me. That, that power that has raised Christ from the dead is actually changing me. We got all that we need. Look at your neighbors and say, get out of town. You've got what you need to break the back of depression. You've got everything it takes to annihilate poverty. You have everything. It's been given to you by God's own power that you need to demonstrate Satan's defeat in every area of your life. But you can't live where you lived when poverty ruled over you. You can't live where you lived when depression sat on the throne of your heart. You gotta make choices. I'm packing up and I'm moving out. And I'm not going back to where I came from. I said, I'm not going back to where I came from. I'm not going back. And if that means that I got a friend who ain't going to be a friend no more, he'll regret it later. If that means that I'm going to look funny in the eyes of people who haven't got a clue what God's up to, then I'll be looking funny in the eyes of them people. Because I am not going back. I'm not going to live with the same nasty attitude that's ruled my mind for the last 25 years. I'm breaking its power, walking a new street, and I'm going to let the mind of Christ change the way I think, the way I feel, the way I make my choices. I'm going to be different said, I'm going to be different. I'm not, I'm not in any way, shape, or form going to attempt to fit in when God has empowered me to stand out. See, I think, I think there's some things that we're missing. Hello? I almost I hesitate to go here, but let's do it. Ephesians 2. Ephesians 2, verse 8. For it is by free grace that you are saved, delivered, made partakers of salvation through your faith. Look at verse 9. This salvation is not of yourselves, of your own doing. It didn't come through your own striving. It's a gift, and a gift of God. Not because of works or not the fulfillment of the law's demands, lest any man should boast. It's not the result of what anyone can possibly do, so no one can pride himself in it, or take glory to himself. Verse 10 says, For we are God's own handiwork, His workmanship, recreated in Christ, born new, that we may do those good works which God predestined, planned beforehand for us, taking paths which He prepared ahead of time. So that we can walk in them and live the good life. So we can live the good life. Which He prearranged and made ready for us to live. (laughs) I'm about ready to get born again. Look at verse 10 from the beginning again. Let's, let's just read it. We are God's own handiwork. Recreated in Christ Jesus. Born anew. Are, are you born anew? Well, then we're talking about you. So that we can do those works. What works? Well, the greater works that Jesus talked about. God has a plan. An extraordinary plan for your life. 
And He's formed you and shaped you and empowered you and gifted you and called you so that you can do the work that He planned beforehand so that you can take paths which He prepared ahead of time. God has prepared a way for you. That's why the enemy wants you to go your own way so that you'll miss what God planned for you. Look at the rest of it. So that you can walk in them, God's plans, living the good life which He prearranged and made ready for us to live. There is a good life. <laughs> There's, it's the good life. It's the good life. It's the good life. Angels looking at you going, look at him go. Woohoo! Check it out. This is the good life. The good life. Oh, I think we just got to take a minute and wrap our heart and our mind around the fact that God has such a bigger, greater life for His people than their willing to, to, to live, then they're, they're, they're missing out. So many of us are missing out on God's best. Struggling just like everybody else. Wrong life. Dealing with pressures the same way the world does. Wrong life. Jesus said, hey, in this world, there's going to be tribulation. We're not telling you that you're never going to have a problem. I'm telling you that there's never going to be a problem. That can cause you to fail, stumble, fall, or quit. That was an angel screaming right there. <laughs> Isn't it going to be cool someday when we have a building out on our property and we can't hear them anymore? Say law. Take a moment and think about that. The good life. The good life. There is nothing I want more than to know that my children are living the good life. They're connected to the good life. There's no greater joy than knowing that my children walk in the truth. That's Bible. And it's Him talking about you. See, the enemy is lying to us, telling us that this is what we got. This is it. Just hang on till Jesus comes. You do realize that there's not much the enemy can do about your salvation. About your security in heaven. There's not much the enemy can do. But if he can render you powerless in every other realm, then he's happy that you just go to church and hang on till Jesus comes. But if you ever have a revelation of the life that God actually called and created you to live that's going to demonstrate the enemy's defeat in every realm of your life? If you ever have that revelation, hell's in big trouble. All of a sudden, the force that tried to take you out loses its grip on you. And you rise up above and you begin to recognize no weapon formed against me can prosper. So focusing on the weapons is a waste of precious time. Every tongue that rises against me, I have the authority in Christ to condemn, because this is the heritage of the children of the living God, saith the Lord. That I have been called out of darkness and translated into the marvelous light of His dear Son. And He sent the Spirit of truth to lead me and guide me into the truth so that I could be a light in a dark place. You do realize that we're living in dark times. It's dark. Dark. 
you know, it's been a little while, but back in the day, remember when Albert Einstein was a child? And he pointed out the fact that darkness cannot be measured, but light can't. So there is no such thing really as darkness. Darkness is simply the absence of light. So if you're in a dark place, why don't you brighten up? Remember the old kerosene lantern? Get brighter and brighter. That's what we want to do tonight. Take you one at a time. <laughs> Trim some wicks. We're not going to have any dim wicks leaving here tonight. <laughs> right? You got you got you got to get your bride on. You, you got to get your bride on now. Because you weren't called to live in darkness. You were called to be a light, salt and light. So that when the world looks at you, they go, God is alive. Can't argue with it. Said, can't argue with it. It's the good life. It's the extraordinary plan of God. Christians just like you. Christians just like you who are understanding and beginning to live the extraordinary plan of God that even has angels talking about it. That's the life that God's calling us into. I said, that's the life that God is calling us into. But we've got to move. We've got to get out of town. We've got to separate ourselves from the mentalities and the lifestyles and the belief systems that held us out of God's plan. Let me close with this statement. A man with no vision for his future will always return to his past. A man with no vision of his future will always return to his past. Remember when Jesus found Peter fishing. And he called Peter to follow him. And the Bible says that they rowed their boat to shore. They left everything. And they followed him. And they had this incredible journey with Jesus. And then Jesus is taken and he's crucified. And in the heart of Peter, he's under the impression that it's over. And because he can't see a future... What statement does he make? He said, I go a-fishing. And he went back to where he had come from. Many of us are living back where we started because of an experience in life that has caused us to believe it's over. It's not over. We're not done. You can't go back to where you came from, you got to keep going to where God's taking you. See, the enemy wants to separate you from God life. To be carnally minded is death. To be spiritually minded, life and peace. The Amplified Bible in Romans 8, 6, to be carnally minded, the mind of the flesh is sense and reason without the Holy Spirit. There's nothing wrong with sense. There's nothing wrong with reason. But without the Holy Spirit, it's still going to separate you from the end that God declared for you at the beginning. You can't go back to where you came from. You've got to move out and live where God's called you to live. You've got to go after the mind of Christ. You've got to go after revelation. You've got you to press in. You've got to ask Jesus, touch me again. I want to see clearly. I, I, I want to have a full revelation of the power that you are offering to me and to my life. I want to really understand what it is to live the good life. I don't want to be tricked, deceived, fooled, or conned 
by a defeated enemy and just go through life hoping I make it someday. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna walk in the wisdom of God. Mark four twenty four says the level of thought and study you give to the truth you hear determines the level of virtue and power knowledge that comes back to you. So I'm going to give thought and study. I'm going, to, I'm going to get in the Word. I'm going to study the Word. I'm, I'm going to go after the Word. I want to encourage you in the next few weeks as, as we tear into this. I'm going to break grace down so that you can understand that this is a power given by God so that you can live exactly the way Jesus did. You're going to have the same authority that He walked in. The same, the same level of, uh, of breakthrough. And it's available to you. We get to live just like Jesus lived. That it's a little bit more than forgive me because I've sinned. You do realize that your level of understanding will cause you to walk in a new level of uh, responsibility. You, you, you're you're going to be accountable. Remember Matthew, I think it's Matthew 5, when, when Jesus is saying, Hey, you guys, you, you say that if, if a man divorces his wife, I say if a man even you know, thinks about it. How come, under, how come under the law, if a man committed adultery, he was in trouble, but under grace, all he's got to do is think about it? Well, I thought grace was easier. No, because grace empowers you to live like Jesus lived. And under the law, they didn't have grace. The law was an example to prove that without grace, you couldn't do it. So now, under grace, it's not just the old rule, but it's the full rule. Because you've got what it takes to live a life pleasing to God. But it's not through your own power, but it's through God's power that He's pouring into your life. So now... It looks like the deck's been stacked against you, but the fact is, is that you have an incredible advantage. Because you have the same power that Jesus operated in at your disposal. So now when I sing Amazing Grace, my chains are gone. I realize that that which prevented me can no longer prevent me. And I have an ability that's greater than my own ability I've got help. I'm not on my own. So you're right. On my own, I can't do it. But with His power in me, nothing can stop me. Amen? Close your book. Bow your head and let me pray for you.